0: Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen, learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So hey, welcome back
1: to the Accelerated Investor Podcast. I'm so excited that you're part of the family, that you're part of the community. And that you're uh, you're engaging with us today. Um, and today I have a, a special treat for you guys. You know, this podcast selfishly is really just about me uh, meeting with and talking with uh, amazing people that I want to get to know better. That I want to get to know their entrepreneurial journey, their strategy, what they're doing. Um, and you know, selfishly, so I can I can learn more about them. Whether I can joint venture with them, whether I can. Uh, you know, do an affiliate deal with them, whether they can help me along my journey. And uh, and so far, my audience seems to love the fact that I'm just bringing out amazing people to talk to, telling you all about my entrepreneurial journey, and people seem to really be engaging with it. Um, so we appreciate all the love we've gotten on social media. We appreciate all the likes and comments um, that you've been given to us. And today I have a, an amazing treat for you guys. Many of you were probably thinking about how do I create more passive cash flow? How do I buy apartments or multifamily deals or single family properties? And just how do I you know, transition from my current job into real estate? And maybe do real estate as a side hustle. Do real estate as a side gig until you make enough money from real estate that you can quit your day job. And that's the exact story, that's the exact path that my guests uh, have been on. So they're they're widely known throughout the social media world and through their websites as Jake and Gino. They're multifamily investors. They own over 1,400 units of apartments. So I wanna welcome Jake Stenziano and Gino Barbero to our podcast today. Guys, thanks for hopping on. I'm really excited to touch base with you and get to know more about your journey.
2: Thanks for having us on, Josh.
1: Absolutely. It's so, a pleasure to be here. You bet, Jake. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm, I'm really excited that you're both available today. I know it took us about a month and a half or two months just to get this scheduled up with your busy calendar. So um, guys, I love to talk about the, the real estate as a side hustle, right? And I understand both of you guys had other jobs. Gino uh, owned a restaurant. Jake was a drug sales rep, and you guys were doing those kind of things. And then you started investing in multifamily properties. Your first investment was a 25 unit um, and you jumped right into multifamily. So, um, you know, I don't know who would like to go first as far as kind of telling me about their journey. I guess, uh, you know, Jake, why don't we start with you? Um, Just tell us a little bit about what you were doing, what your mindset was, what your thought process was when you were still had your day job. And you started looking at real estate as a side hustle. Why did you pick multifamily and apartments? And what was it like when you were in that transition phase from doing your regular job and investing in real estate at the same time?
2: This is Gino. You know, I will answer that. I'll start off by answering that question. Okay, um, you know. I met Jake uh, working in the restaurant, and uh, it was really funny. Josh, we had spoken a little while ago, and you said you look like that pizza guy, right? You can't get away with it. So I like to start off by telling everybody life is not fair, okay? It's not fair because I've been surrounded by pizza and Italian food my whole life. i got to stay away from it. What's else? not fair about that? <laughs> everybody about <laughs> pizza and Italian food. You're a I, I can't, not can't even eat that. fair. I can't eat it. I'll weigh 220 pounds if I do. So, can you imagine? <laughs> my wife is an amazing cook. So, I can't even eat the stuff, right? Been surrounded by it for 20 years plus. So, what I wanted to do was I really didn't want another job. That's why I already, you know, had my mind set on multifamily. I had gotten into a mobile home park deal. It was terrible. I had gotten into a strip mall multi-use multi, multi uh, use property that was terrible. And I said to myself, I need to get educated. I mean, hold the brakes, pull the brakes, I want to get the multifamily. I want to start by scaling up. And my my idea, Josh, was just to buy, you know, a couple of units at a time, make a few hundred bucks in passive income. I've got six children. I need to feed them. I need to send them to college. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to fix and flip because I already had a job. Um, I didn't see that as my way out. Unfortunately, in my market of New York, it was hard for me to do that. So I needed to start investing out of market. So I went to Rochester, New York and got a property, property management company, um, let them do it for me. I couldn't scale up. I was buying little duplexes at a time. It didn't feel like I was you know, getting anywhere. I met Jake around 2009, 2010. He was doing catering out of my restaurant. So I said, Jake, when you moved to Knoxville, because he was moving to Knoxville, I said, give me a call. Let's look at some deals down there. Let's see what's going on. And this was in 2011 when the economy was stagnant. There were no jobs. Rents were low. There was not much interest. There's not much money flowing to multifamily. Everything was flowing, seemed like to the stock market, to commodities. It wasn't coming into multifamily and everything was depressed. So when he got down there, we started looking, took us about 18 months to find our first deal. It doesn't happen overnight. You got Stenziano and Barbaro in in East Tennessee. You know, y'all ain't doing business down here. That's what I'm saying. Life is not fair. I hope everyone understands that it's not fair. Um, The only time you'll understand that it becomes fair or equitable is when you take responsibility for your situation. I mean, hey, I've got six kids. I've got to feed them. It's my responsibility to do that. Now, I can complain that things are expensive. Their braces are four grand a piece. I've got all these bills. But that's part of life, right? That's part of being responsible and saying to yourself, you've got to go out and make it happen. So my goal was just to start out by a couple of little properties with Jake and you know what, make a few bucks here and, and with the restaurant pull along. But then as you started buying more properties and started adding on, I said to myself, this is doable because I had the idea and the mindset what everyone else does with multifamily. You need a lot of money, you know, it's just really hard to get into. Um, You're gonna have to really, how are you gonna manage 25 units? You can't even do a fourplex or a little stupid mobile home park. How are you gonna do that? Well, as you learn and as you commit and as you grow, multifamily allows you the opportunity to start hiring people, which is the difference between single family homes and a lot of other niches in real estate. So, I mean, that's how we started out. We started out with a little 25-unit property. With that momentum, three months later, we bought a 36-unit. And then six months after that, we had acquired 136 units. And it was all nice. our own money. It was, you know, our, our strategy was refinance roll. So, the first 1,000 units that we acquired was all our own money. We were able to refinance up till now in the last five years, $9.5 million of proceeds No Ferraris, no Lamborghinis, all that money goes back into the business, which is really important. You can enjoy yourself, but when you refire that money out, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. It's really basically a loan, so you're not paying any taxes on that until you sell. You couple that with cost segregation, you couple that with being responsible, you know, following our three-step framework of buy right, manage right, and finance right, because we're vertically integrated. We handle all aspects of of the business. We're able to grow. Now, Josh, should we have syndicated sooner? probably. Uh, We weren't ready. We weren't mentally prepared at the time. So, uh, I wish we had done that but that was the growing pain for us because we were actually doing the stuff ourselves, building out our own property management company, having an education company. We started a syndication company. We're doing mortgages. So, we're multifaceted. So, maybe if we had done syndication, we wouldn't have been able to grow these other arms of the business. So, Mr. Stenziano, that was a long answer. I'm sorry to cut you off there but
3: go ahead, bro. No, you weren't cutting me off. I had, uh, I think I had an internet issue over here. Can you
1: guys hear me? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, we got you. We got
3: you, Jake. You're All to- right. So back back, at, back in the saddle, I just wanted to clarify one thing. This was l- legal drug sales, okay? Legal drug sales. It was going okay. to doctor's offices. Okay? <laughs> it was a drug We're, we, weren't, we, we weren't out there, you know. We we were we're backpacks of cannabis here. This was uh, this is legal stuff. So just difference between drug there.
1: rep and drug dealer. <laughs> I, I did call you a drug rep, right? I think I did. That's right. <laughs> legal stuff. Yeah, I think All right. they might be on the same page. I don't know. That's <laughs> yeah. For another uh, that's for another day.
3: But I've heard Anyways, some drug dealers so, have business
1: cards. Who knows? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's right. I I think the the big thing for me here is as you know, touched on a lot is the mindset. Uh, many people look at multifamily as a pie in the sky. They look at investing in real estate as something they want to do, but they'll quit very early on. It took Gino and I almost two years to get our first deal. And I still think to this day, the best thing that either of us did was we stayed pesky, we stayed hungry, and we stayed engaged. If you don't stay in the game, it will happen eventually, getting your first deal, whether it's a 25 unit or a 250 unit. We've, we've done, you know, like I said, we've done a 25, we've, we've done a 300 unit. So it's just hanging in there and being pesky enough and believing, continuing to educate yourself and take action day in and day out, making the calls, making the broker relationships and staying in there with that long view is bar none the best thing that we've done.
1: That's fantastic. So um, so you guys connected Through just the relationship at the restaurant, so help me understand. Like one of the things I'm curious about in your relationship, your partnership. I've had many partnerships, and I've studied very successful businesses. Very you know big Fortune 500 businesses. A lot of them are partnerships, and a lot of times you find one guy sort of like the 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 visionary, the guy that's out. He's casting vision. He's talking to audiences. You know, you see it even with Fortune 500 companies. A lot of times you have maybe the CEO that's out on like MSN or Fox News or CNN. He's out selling the company. But then you got another guy who's in the back of the house essentially running a lot of the day to day operation. That's how my private equity fund works today. I'm out doing podcasts and having fun and making relationships. And my partner, Glenn Lytle, is kind of taking care of the back of the house. So I'm curious, how does the relationship work with you guys? Does one of you guys try to find deals? One of you guys focus on management? How does it work just with your, uh, your structure in your business?
2: So when we first started out, uh, Jake was self-managing the properties. So uh, we, we fell into property management by default. So managing the properties, it was, able, it was able for him to retire from his job or fire his boss at a taco bell a lot sooner, right? About a year quicker, right? Um, So, while he's doing that, he's scaling up. We have the bright idea of, you know, starting a podcast. And I I don't know who's the visionary because I think we we fall into both of those roles. I mean, listen – I've got a partner there who wants to write a book. Let's write a book. Now we've got four podcasts a week. I don't know how that happened, but it's when you have a partner who pushes you and who says, "Let's do it." So I think we're, we've fallen into both of those. But basically, Jake was doing the property management, and then we started the, the uh, podcast and the education piece of Jake and Gino. It's been a grind for the last three to four years, writing articles, getting on bigger pockets podcasts, doing our own podcast weekly. Um, that has been a lot of work. So I do the education day to day. Then we had the bright, this bright idea of starting a syndication company about a year ago, and you have. Five or 600 investors on a database from your live events and all you need to reach out to them we can't do that so we brought on another partner to do that so now the list is up to over 900 investors we've done two syndications so we have that business and then you know nice. jake had had the great idea of saying let's start doing mortgages so the mortgages is great and josh what's amazing about all these different businesses is where we're heading all of them but they're also symbiotic because our, our jake and gino students want to invest with us. They're learning the syndication process. What better way than become an LP investor on the deal? We hold monthly webinars, so then we're transparent. If students need education on a mortgage, they can go to our capital company. If they need a, you know, education on how to structure their own syndication or how to send out emails, they go to our syndication company. The property management is doing day-to-day. We can teach our investors and students how to manage a property. So, we started out really small. I mean, that's what the thing is. It's only been six years since we've been doing this. So, really being focused on your main mission. That's what's great about multifamily. And you can do this in the residential space. You start out with a single 25-unit property and you start expanding and you can start creating what we call these multiple layers or multiple streams of income. We call multifaceted and multifamily where you're starting to grow. And now all of a sudden you can get into other facets where you have vendors helping you out, you have captive insurance if you want to get into it. There's so many different revenue sources in multifamily. But one thing that doesn't have to get lost upon people is it's a lot of hard work. It's you can work hard, but you can work smart. And people saying I oh, gotta work smart, but you need to work hard and smart together at the same time. And that's one thing that the restaurant taught me is hey, there's gonna be a lot of 12-hour days, there's gonna be a lot of phone calls, there's gonna be a lot of rejections, there's gonna be a lot of bed bugs, there's be a lot of people passing, you know, passing away in your apartments, there's gonna be a lot of fires in the apartments, there's gonna be a lot of leaks, a lot of mold, a lot of bad stuff happening. But as you go through it and you grow in your process, you'll become such a stronger person, and these problems won't even become problems anymore and you'll be able to scale up and like we said previously, implement systems and start growing the business.
3: Yeah, just to touch on that a little bit too. I think in the beginning, it it came down to attitude and ethics, you know, the same way we basically hire on our core values is, you know, Gino and I have an extremely hard work ethic, both of us. We call it blue collar work ethic and we, we share a similar moral compass. So, I think anytime someone's going into a partnership, make sure that you're aligned, uh, and, and then to your point you're saying "Well, kind of focus on your strengths. Well the interesting thing is because we're so vertically integrated. Gino was touching about, he handles the back end of Jake and Gino on the education. I handle the back end of the property management. We have other partners that handle the syndication and and the uh, the Rand Capital. So, for us, we wear many hats. We will be the face of the business but we also have our respective duties day to day and it's just, it's worked out for us like that.
2: And so. Jake, don't forget the sniff test. We have the sniff test now that I've implemented. It's called the Gino sniff test. If we don't like you, we're not gonna hire you and we're not gonna work with you. That's the bottom line. That's No, if I- Gino likes
3: you or not, I'm more open.
2: <laughs> well, it's come down to it. That's what happened at my restaurant. That's one of the reasons why I left. I was working with people and hiring people that they performed. They were not bad people. I just didn't like them. There was something that was off of them. I didn't have a good relationship. I couldn't build rapport with them and it just sucked. four values, baby. Yeah, they suck the life out of you. They suck the energy out of you. So you just start not liking to go to work. And I don't want our company to be surrounded or have people like that. And I think our group of core people that we have right now are all amazing people. And I love to work with them because listen, we're going to spend multiple hours a week coaching them, being on the call with them, being on the phone with them, having multiple problems coming up daily, having our daily huddles every morning. If I've got to see this person five times a week and I'm like, I don't want to see this person. How do you think that, how do you think that goal is going, Jake? Bro,
3: I'm still getting you a Gino sniff test here. from <laughs> now. you're going to have to wear I want one. Make sure you send me one.
1: I want the Geno Sniff test. Big nose on the front of my chest. I love that. In my company, we call that the No Dipshit Policy. So years ago, we started the No Dipshit Policy, which was we, you know, whether it was an event we were doing, whether it was an attendee, whether it was an investor. I don't care how much money you have if you're going to invest with us. If you're a dipshit, if you don't pass that, I don't, I don't care how much money you have. You're not going to invest with us. If you're an employee staff short, member, it's too absolutely. I love that.
2: That's great. It that is excellent.
1: Yeah, the sniff test and then that could be the front of the shirt and the no dipshit policy on the back. I like that. We gotta have somebody make these t-shirts put, for put us. Put that in the handbook. Put that in the handbook. Absolutely. Um so guys, let's let's talk a little bit more about the the refi and roll journey, right? So we, we guys covered it. You guys went up to a thousand units. Just tell me about some of the the successes along the way, maybe certain buildings or certain properties, or ways you acquired properties along the way, or maybe refinances that happened where you guys had big windfalls. Um, you know, tell me just about the journey, and then we'll talk a little bit more about your pivot from uh, refi and and roll to uh, syndication. So, just tell us a little bit more about the you know that four or five year period where it was all you know buy, stabilize, refi, and roll. Tell me about that. What were some of the wins? What were some of the challenges?
2: So Josh, it's it's a great question. What happened was we had started buying at a a relatively good part of the cycle, right? So we're able to refine roll. Now at different parts, you know, real estate is very local. Some areas might be more difficult to refine roll. We've just bought a property in December that we're going to refine roll because we bought it at such a great number. We've got another property we bought about a year and a half ago. That's going to be a roll also. But on our first deal, basic 25-unit property, we didn't know what the heck refine roll was. We just coined the term. We're like, you know what? And I, I, honestly, Jake was buying these properties just for yield cash flow. And I had the bigger picture of Jake. We could pull our money out. We can put it And he just like... I don't know what you're talking about. Let's just get this. Let's just get the income up and going. He'd get cash. He'd, he'd come home, put cash on, on on his on his nightstand, and go. These people are paying me. He got the entrepreneurial bug. When people start paying you, that's a total mind shift. When you're used to being a W two employee and waiting for money, but when you go out to a property in 25 units and you start collecting that cash. And you have weekly renters, and you go through the struggle of the bed bugs, and you go through the struggle of changing them over to monthly renters. And the mail lady says, You know what? It's finally nice to come to this property. 18 months later, we were able to refi that property and pull out $180,000 on that property. We were able to put some of that money back into CapEx, but that $180,000 allowed us to go into another deal. Now, that was community financing. So we went with a community bank, and that deal was small enough where we still went and refinanced it into another community bank. Um, the terms on that first deal, were terrible because we had owner financing, but listen, we had a 6% interest rate. Uh, we refied at four and a quarter. Can you imagine that? Nice. We had a 20-year AM, went to 25-year AM, and we had a five-year term, which went to a seven-year term. So, I mean, basically, the payments stayed the same. I mean, and income was up. So, our LTV was great. Same thing with our second, third, and fourth deal. The, the first four deals, we had all bought with community banks. We had gotten great financing. We got 15% down. But you know what? They had accelerated and appreciated so much that we went and refinanced them to uh, agency. So we're able to really pull out a lot of money. We're able to get interest only for three years. We went from 25-year amortizations to 30-year M's. We're able to, say what Jake likes to say, we actually got locked up 10-year long-term financing. So we're able nice. to set financing off the table and it was all our money it was just me jake and my partner mike so that was the amazing part of it you get all this capital and you're able to refinance it and buy into the next deal and the bottom line is you really need to be focused on buying your assets right because once you get the buy right done and you're able to finance it right like we did you take those two off the table what's left is the manage right is day-to-day is starting to grow the operations, is starting to put in systems starting to hire the right people so um I think the first seven deals, we were able to refinance a lot of our properties twice actually. So, that's why the number is nine and a half million dollars. So, it's been great. Uh, Then we just decided to pivot into syndication because we're like, we want to go bigger. So, the idea was, let's start with a small syndication. So, back in November, we had a six million dollar deal. We could have probably bought it internally, but unlike the Jake, we need to rip off the band-aid. We need to try this and see if this works for us. So, it was a small small raise. It was two and a half million dollars for us. We were able to do it in two days. We had the list. We were already talking to the investors. We'd already warmed up. It was a typical Jake when he walked into the garage. He saw the tractor there. He saw the mom and pop. He's like, "This is our deal, right?" You just know when you know when you know it's a deal. It took so thirty
3: seconds. You just 30, know, man. Like I, I, knew, I knew we were buying that like the minute I pulled
2: up. <laughs> it was a matter of the numbers, you know. We, we didn't mean, passed just, the sniff test. <laughs> <dust.
3: laughs> it smelled. It smelled bad, but it smelled so good at the same time. Nice. Uh-huh.
2: So, I mean, that, that's what it came down to. So, we bought our first deal in November on syndication. We learned the process and then we got into a second syndication. We closed in April. But really, start small, prove your concept, and then you're just going to continue to learn a little bit and just continue to add on. Don't think about starting buying 100 units. Start small. I mean, you want to prove a proof of concept. You want to have some kind of experience, some kind of a win. And then from there, you'll learn and then you'll start growing and start implementing stuff.
3: Yeah. So yeah. Also, no. Tell I was just gonna me. say it's 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 about having a diverse tool belt because there's deals right now. Like December, we went and we bought a very hairy deal. I didn't necessarily want to syndicate that deal. We have you know our entire renovation team on it right now. It's it's leaking every day. You know, it's just a, a complete disaster. It's in a great area. It was just running into the ground, and we we bought it for probably twenty six a door. The things probably gonna be worth sixty a door at some point. Nice. That you know putting investor money at risk in that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable with um, but you know there's deals that really make a lot of sense where we can get great IRRs that are good you know syndication deals. So it just depends on what is the best way to take this deal down. So if we want to refine role, look I love holding these deals long term. I look at these as generational wealth, we'll buy them, we'll sit on them and let them cash flow forever. But there's also deals that fit the syndication model really well so we didn't want to limit ourselves. Gina was talking about ripping the Band-Aid off. We were talking about doing a syndication for years. It just, it was like, oh, we just kept buying with our own cash and we were enjoying doing that. But eventually we just broke down and said, we're either going to shit or get off the pot. So it was finally time to pull the trigger and we did it. And, and now they're starting to come. We got a deal in the hopper right now. We're about to take our third one down. So it's, it's been good. And I think it makes us more diverse and, and it opens the doors up for more people and we can serve more people as well.
1: Yeah, when we were talking earlier today, I talked about the concept of, you know, if you, if you really believe in something, your moral compass is right. It's aligned the right way. You really believe in what you're doing and you feel like your offer or your opportunity can really impact and benefit other people. Uh, a friend of mine, his name was Francis Abolola, told me, we were talking about this concept. He said, you have a moral obligation to sell it to them. Because if it's going to help them to the point, if you don't offer it to them, if you don't offer them that opportunity, it's actually hurting their life. It's hurting their future. Um, and that really changed my mindset around, around money and syndication. So, guys, you know, we're, we're not making making this audience an offer. or So I just want to make that quick disclosure. This isn't an offer. But tell me how you guys structure your deals when you do a syndication. Uh, like, are you guys paying certain pref returns? Are you guys giving up a certain percentage of the deal? Give me some insight into what your thoughts are around syndication. What works for you guys?
3: Yeah, it's typically, it's a 70-30 split uh, typically with a 15% IRR um, you know, we're going in with these things from agency debt from day one. I, I think one yes. of the big things that that we look for is that we talk about the buy right, manage right, and finance right strategy. We're, we're, I feel we're buying them right on the front end and we're financing them with non-recourse uh, long-term fixed rate financing for the financing piece and then manage them in-house to keep expenses down. Uh, we, again, we're vertically integrated. So, we don't charge any, you know, construction management fees and we, don't, we charge a very reasonable Uh, asset management fee and and a very reasonable property management fee. And this allows us to really get those expenses down and, and drive as much NOI value out of the properties as possible. And we offer an
2: 8% preferred rate of return. Rush. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's what we're offering right now. But I think it's just the kind of deals we're looking at. We look at a lot of deals. We underwrite, I mean, the, our coaches will say that the magic number is 80, the race to 80. So, if you can look at 80 deals underwriting, you're going to find one that works. And for us, we're looking right now in this type of the, this, this type of the cycle of the market, we're looking for assets that are B the B, B, B areas. So, you're going to have to go through a lot of those assets. And it typically seems like they're in the six, six and a half cap. Uh, market. We're looking for possibly a 10% cash on cash from day one. Um, we don't want these heavy lists right now. We want more momentum. We want to be able to add value, raising rents. A lot of these uh, assets don't have all their income in place, whether they're list- missing some kind of storage fees or application, or we come in with non-refundable move-in fees. Their expenses sometimes are a little bit skewed. They have a little bit of bloating in them. So, um, And we're also looking in, in, in the Southeast. That's what we're looking. We're looking within three to four hours of Knoxville um, because we're, we are vertically integrated. And, you know, we like the area down here. We like the job growth. We like the population growth. We like the fact that when the economy does slow down, uh, we're going to have people still renting and we're still going to have people, you know, the flight the flight from new york the flight from california they're all coming down to the southeast. So. economic oh, yeah. deserters
3: yeah and, so. and we're probably doing one heavy lift at a time to gino's point you know because we are controlling everything in order to keep costs down we're doing probably one heavy lift at a time while everything else uh is more stabilized and we're, we're identifying ways that we can make management plays and and really drive noi force appreciation in the future so
1: i love it So, tell me a little bit about. I know some guys that are doing apartments, and they're doing a lot of joint venture deals. They're doing a lot of affiliate deals or JV deals, and they're partnering with other people and they're buying units and units and units and units. You guys seem to have a more uh, methodical approach, very, in my opinion, conservative approach, which I really like. Where you guys are actually like buying it right, like you said, managing it right. You're managing it internally. Um, You're not. You know, just buying, 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 buying. You're buying to stabilize the asset make sure it starts producing income. So help me understand that, just the mindset. What's your thought around? I like the idea that you're talking about self-managing because you can create a lot of efficiencies and drive the income. Um, Why that route? What was your philosophy? What were your thoughts on that route versus, uh, you know, adding third-party managers, adding third-party construction? Because you could probably grow faster, do -hmm. more deals that way instead of doing self-management. And there's obviously you know, benefits to both, but what was your philosophy? Why did you guys go that route?
3: I think it's hard enough to make a deal work really well the way it is. So when you start adding in layers, you're adding in costs, and therefore it's it's going to be a struggle. You can go faster. We had an event this weekend, and we, had, uh, we went out to that, that deal that I talked about in December where we're literally having our entire capex crew on there renovating it and they're saying well you know you could you could basically go in and and get more people on this if you went with a a sub and and you could get it done quicker I said that's fine but we're going to at least double our costs and then if you added a third party management you're going to you're going to then increase additional costs there so we're going to do really well on this it may take us slightly longer but this is we're, we're holding this thing in perpetuity so we went, we went into this with a mindset that Gino talked about it earlier. We want yield. We're going in to basically free ourselves from our corporate jobs and do something that was actually going to produce cash flow. I think a lot of uh, syndicators out there these days, they're going in trying to buy stabilized deals. Their cash flow is very small and they're trying to make right. up for on the back end when they sell these. We're looking for, ca- this, is this, this is the key to it. And this is why we have to look at so many deals. We're looking for cash flow on day one. We're looking for strong cash flow on day one, at least 8%. And then we will force appreciation for tomorrow through operational efficiency so that we'll go in, we'll analyze the management of it. We're looking at a deal right now, you're seeing a $50,000 construction management fee that they're just, you know, stacking onto. it. We're not going to charge that back to our investors. We're not going to go in and and add in all these layers of fees. And we're going to have a better hands-on approach because we're controlling the process. So I think it's it's, it's a matter of control uh, throughout the entire process. And we do what we call weekly L10s. We touched on earlier about like top grading and systems and scale and using Rockefeller habits. We do weekly meetings, which is not like we're having an employee do it. I have a weekly touch point with every single one of our managers where we're taking a deep dive into the business, reviewing budgets, et cetera, and going over what goals need to be taking place. So it's a very hands-on approach uh, with our vertically integrated structure. And that's been a big difference for us. Yeah, I think
2: the, the difference with us also is we own our first thousand assets. So, units, we don't need to buy deals right now. And we don't need for acquisition fees. We don't need asset management fees. So, right. we want quality over quantity. So, I mean, so we're going to look at a deal. And that's probably one of my fears in the beginning. One of my limiting beliefs was taking money from investors and saying, you know what, I've got to give them 8%. What happens if Jake and I can't make our money on our first thousand units? We say, hey, listen, the septic field's scrapped out. We're not getting paid for the first quarter. It was hard for me to get over that hump to do that to investors. So our deals that we're buying now, they're more definitely momentum plays with that value add. So I think I'm looking more for quality over quantity and I want to grow the business sustained. And you know what? There's going to be cycles. We're going to get back in the next two to three years where cap rates are going to go back up and property value is going to come back down. Maybe that's when you start buying those hairier deals and we start adding on a lot quicker. But I think, you know, I learned something from from our Petra coaches and I love the quote. It's revenue is vanity. Profit margin is sanity and cash is king. It doesn't matter how much we're grossing it nice. matters how much we're actually keeping it. So, um, we got to look at our profit margins, we got to look at our cash. I don't care how much revenue we're collecting monthly. That's not the bottom line for us. We have to really maintain our expenses and we have to look go look what's going on with the cash. And I think uh, the systematic approach of trying to grow, you know, from 650 units to 1,000 units was a really big leap for us. We need to get a regional manager. We need to get property management software. It was a lot of learning pains for us. So, we're at 1,500 now. So, from 1,500 to 3,000 is going to be another leap for us. So I'd rather do it slow, systematic, and buy right assets. Because once you buy wrong, you know no deal is better than a bad deal. So I always told Jake, let's not buy these bad deals because we're going to be stuck with them long term. They're going to drag down the portfolio. So listen, we need to really vet all these deals out and make sure that they make sense.
1: That's fantastic, guys. So the buy right, manage right, finance right strategy, I know we've talked a lot about that already over the last 20 to 30 minutes. But are there any additional things that you'd like to manage or, or mention to our audience about the buy right technique? Is there anything that we, I know we've talked about certain deals and certain things already, but is there anything else that you teach your audience, your students, that you'd like to, to kind of pass along to our audience about specifics that you teach your audience about buy right?
3: Yeah, it, it comes down to parameters. And, and so I think it, what you really need to do is look at, what parameters do you want to hit and then be disciplined enough to walk away from a deal. So if, you, if you're going in and saying, I'm not going to, if I'm going to buy something that's stable, I'm not going to buy anything less than a seven cap or I'm not going to buy anything less than a six and a half cap. Make sure though you're going in and you understand the numbers because what you can do is like we're going through a deal right now, income looks good, but we understand based on the budget because we've done this enough that there's things missing from that budget. So we're underwriting to our own budget. So make sure that you're doing the work on the front end, do a budget, trust but verify and then derive a cap rate that you feel comfortable with that you know you can make money on. So I think the thing is with any of these it's having parameters in place. This is the cap rate I'm willing to buy on, this is the cash in cash I'm willing to buy on, this is the debt service coverage ratio that I'm willing to buy on and don't waver from those. So I think on, on the buy side that's very important. On the financing side, you know, if if you're gonna go in and you're gonna have to do something through a bridge loan or a community bank, that's fine. But I think one of the biggest risks, especially right now, is long-term interest rate risk. You've seen fluctuations in the tenure, and you've seen rates, you know, come up and go down. If we want these things to be solid for the long haul, we need long-term fixed rate financing and we want it to be non-recourse. You have to shed this stuff off your personal balance sheet if you're gonna hold these for the long term. And then the only lever you have left, it comes back to management. And that's why we're so uh, big on, on, you know, taking it in-house and self-managing because once you buy it, once you you finance and fix it long-term, the only thing that's left is the management. So that's why we want to have that strong control there because that's going to determine our fate. And Jake, just a couple things to add on to that. I think for any
2: new investor or any investor out there, do yourself a favor when you first start out, Before even after you get educated, focus on one market. Don't focus on 15 or 16 markets. Yeah. Focus on that one market. Really learn it really well. I know the east side of Cleveland is not the greatest. I'd rather focus on the west side. I mean, you know, per unit doors in the east side is great, but it's more section eight. It's, it's cap rates are higher. They might look more attractive, but learn the market. Learn whatever market you're in. Focus on it. Start going out there and meet property managers, start walking deals, property tours. The next thing I would tell everyone to do is to follow the market. Try not you're not buying A caps in Jacksonville anymore. I mean when I moved down there, I wish two years ago I had followed the market and I had purchased because now I'd be sitting pretty. And the same thing with Jake and myself. There's about an 18 month period where we were stubborn. We were not following the market. We were used to buying A <laughs> caps and we're like, we're not buying this at a 7.4 cap. Would you crazy? I wish we had done it. And then what happened was we had Hurricane Irma here. I get in my car, I go back up to see Jake, I, I relocate for the week, and me and him look at a deal, and eight, I can't believe we didn't buy it. We look at it and we're like, you know what, we gotta take a chance on this. So follow the market, I mean, you're not buying a caps in a six cap market. Um, look for value, and I think the other thing is, focus on what your exit strategy is. Know what you're going to do when you buy. It's important. Are you going to get that long-term debt? Are you going to get bridge financing? Are you going to get yield maintenance, step down, whatever the prepayment, what is your strategy long-term for these assets? For us, we know what we're going to do. On our first syndication, we couldn't put a supplemental loan on that. So it seems like we're going to be forced to sell that thing to actually cash out because we're going to get a couple million dollars of, of value on that property. So know what your exit strategy is in any investment vehicle that you do, whether it's a single family home, whether it's a stock, whether it's a, commodity, know what you're going to do with the
1: exit. That's fantastic, guys. So a couple final questions. Um, first of all, I think everybody has a superpower, right? I have a superpower. Ramy, my AV dude's got several superpowers. You guys have superpowers in your personal life outside of business. I'm just curious, what do you guys think your personal superpower is? Uh, Jake, let's start with you.
3: I have just a, a God-given, you know, natural ton of energy. And, and you know, I just i am very fortunate because I, like, you know, we've talked before, I get up, you know, very early in the morning and I, I can power through and work a, a very long day and then, you know, keep going. It's, you know, in school, they, they wanted to put me on medications and I really struggled in school. And if you, you try to sit me down for an hour or two and focus me, I'll lose my mind. But I have a shit ton of energy and I can focus really hard for, you know, 30 minutes, but then it's on to the next task. And I think that's why, you know, we've done really well with having multiple businesses and, and growing them so it's just a uh, you know a ton of god-given energy i'm very fortunate and grateful to have that
2: so we better get the podcast over because 30 minutes is almost up bro if you can't focus for more than 30
3: minutes sure. <laughs> we gotta let them go Dude, we're, we're, we're like two hours in now and it's like you start to see you, you gino, gino said full day uh, training you know sessions with me before and i just start glazing over and i started looking like you know drunk or something but it's bad. yeah like all right can we go do something now what are we, what are we talking about well let's you know it's when you get down in the weeds really start grinding through it it kills me but it's uh uh, Mm -hmm. I like uh getting get to the point
2: nice and for me it's no superpower really the only thing that I uh that I can excel at is working hard and the other thing is I commit and figure it out so if I if I have to launch an email or I got to put up a website or I'll just do it I'll probably make a ton of mistakes I'll look like like an ass
3: (laughs) but it's okay our team is freaking out like Gino just sent another one what is he doing (laughs) no yeah and, and I've
2: realized one thing I mean one of our coaches told me don't think that everyone has it figured out because nobody's got it figured out and we're all winging it. And it took me a long time to realize that, that we're all out there winging it. I mean, we started a podcast three years ago. I never even heard of a podcast before. I just got a mic and Jake. We figured it out. We launched it. We put it on the iTunes. Don't even know how that happened. Still don't know how that happens, but just commit to something, really <laughs> want it, really desire it. And then and then you'll figure it out because you're going to have a strong enough why. That's that's my only
3: superpower that I have. We, we put it on the iTunes, whatever
2: the hell that means. Put it on the iTunes. <laughs> Right. No, literally,
3: Gino had no idea what a what a podcast was. That's
1: Into the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. Next question, guys. What, what do you who do you think your favorite or most impactful mentor that you ever had was?
3: That's yeah, a I, tough one. I, I, I hit this one quick. Yeah, no, sorry, Gina. There's a little delay here. Uh, you know the, the two the two people that I've really um, followed as like heroes if you will is probably Ayn Rand I love the book Atlas Shrugged and then also Ray Dalio uh, principles I've, I've gone through you know and both those books are like this but what I will do is I will squat on a book on audible and I'll, I may hit it like three or four times and it just it, it helps me you know kind of get insights into you know what these people have you know gone through and I get the most value from that type of uh, mentorship personally. Nice.
2: And I guess just for me, it was probably my dad, um, hard worker, immigrant, uh, came over here. He did a job he hated for so many years. It sucked. He did it for his family. and It is what it is. You just got to grind. And unfortunately, things were different back then. So, you know, he didn't have the opportunity that we all have now. Because like I said, talked about it you know, the other show it's about responsibility. I mean, we all have the choice to, you know, our fruits are in our roots and, and we have to look around and we make decisions where I am today has been my decisions for the last 49 years of my life. And if we can understand that and, and, and take that hold, we can really become responsible. We can have a happy life. That's what it really comes down to being, having a happy life and being successful and giving back and contributing. That's what my, you know, that's what my dad taught me.
1: Fantastic. So last question, um, if somebody's making the transition from maybe residential to multifamily or they're going from small multifamily, let's say 25 units to 100 150 200 units and up. Um, you guys have been through that whole uh, journey, but you guys you guys skipped the resi part but went right into multifamily. So what what kind of advice would you pass along to somebody or kind of pay it forward to someone Who's making that journey now? You could look back, you know, five, six years ago and say, I was there. Here's what I would do different or here's some advice I'd pass back to those folks. What would you guys say to that?
2: I practice when I preach. Um, I would definitely find a coaching program because that's what I did after I crapped out of my first two deals. People don't wanna hear it. I spent tons of money. I went become certified professional life coach. I did a real estate coaching training. Um, Jake and I are doing Petra scaling up right now. So it's constantly learning because at different parts of your life, different things are gonna resonate with you. Scaling up three years ago wasn't appropriate for us because we didn't need it three years ago. But now we need it because we have multiple businesses going on, we're trying to get one core value and one core theme. If you're starting out, don't be afraid to pay for your education because, first of all, you're going to get bought into it. And second of all, you're going to take action. And third of all, you're going to be accountable. Um, Bigger Pockets is great. All these sites are great. The podcasts are great. Um, but there's not enough meat on the bone on those. And you're not holding yourself accountable. You're not building a team out there. And you're not investing. You don't have a vested interest because you can quit at any time. But if you have a coach or if you have a mentor or if you have a partner that's pushing you there and holding you accountable and you've got skin in the game, that's going to, you know, uh, unfortunately make you take more action more than if you're by yourself on an island that's why i I failed my first couple ventures i was by myself i didn't know what i was doing and i bought right but i bought wrong so i ended up going and getting trained getting coached and finding out my why was and partnering up with jake and then ultimately partnering up with my other partner mike and that's what ultimately led
3: to my success
1: fantastic jake anything to add
3: there yeah i think it's all mindset at the end of the day and it's it's hanging in there because, you know, when people get into it, they, they think again that it's this pie in the sky and they just don't hang around long enough. So you have, to, you have to be willing to commit and stay around long enough for it to happen and just literally say, I'm going to do this and stay there until it does happen. Uh, we You know, we said it again, education times action equals results. Get yourself educated, take massive action, and the results will come over time, but you have to plant your flag, be committed, and, and not
1: waver from that. And then
3: once you get that deal, it's about systems and scale, as Gino touched on before.
1: That's great. Now, you guys have a fantastic website. You guys have a very, uh, you know, very active podcast. Highly recommend you guys look it up and subscribe to their podcast, the Jake and Gino podcast, all about multifamily investing. Uh, You guys have amazing products and live events. Um, Where where can some people from my audience and my community, if they want to engage with you guys, where, where, where can they meet you guys? Where can they start? What kind of website? Where can they get some more information about you?
2: So basically, just go to jakeandgino.com. Uh, we have four podcasts weekly. We have, I actually started our family zone podcast with my wife, talking about spousal, you know, working with your spouse and, and incorporating your family into multi-family. We have the Jake and Gino uh, Wheel Are Our Profits podcast. We have a Movers and Shakers podcast where we highlight a student who's done a deal. Um, and then we have a the syndication podcast. So right there, you know, f- weekly dose of four shows. Our YouTube channel is great. Jake and Gino YouTube channel is awesome. We're having a live event Uh, in October the 19th and 20th at the Gaylord Palms. There's gonna be 600 multifamily investors there. We've had two invest, yeah, two it's gonna be awesome dude it's gonna be a lot of fun we're gonna have our vendors out there we're gonna have some really big speakers out there um, it, it's it's just it's just like a family affair Jake's family's out there my family's out there Epcot is five minutes away so once the show's over we're all going to the parks together so it's gonna be a lot of fun and it's basically buy right manage right finance or we're gonna be teaching for two days our system and it's a great place like you said Josh before to network to meet other people in the industry if you've got money you need to raise if you've got a deal this is where you find people you find people at these events because they're all like-minded and and they're all focused on multifamily.
1: Awesome, awesome stuff, guys! Listen, thanks for taking out of your time, out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate the opportunity to engage and connect with you guys today. And uh, hopefully, I'll be I'll be at your event. We can connect there face to face, and look forward to that.
2: Sounds great. Thanks,
1: Josh. All right, guys, have a fantastic day. For all of our accelerated investors, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for being part of our community. Thanks so much for being here. If you enjoyed the uh, interview, let us know. Leave your questions, comments, ratings, and we'll see you soon. Be daring. Go buy a property. Go buy a building. Go raise some capital. Be wealthy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
0: You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always Dreamed of. Apply for coaching at Josh Cantwell